Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host, as always. And today we are joined by Jane Santos, Assistant Vice President for Technical Services at CN Philippines. Jane boasts a stellar career spanning over two decades in multi-platform media with unparalleled expertise in technical solutions for production, news gathering, and live events. Jane has been instrumental in implementing new technologies and enhancing operational efficiencies. A graduate of St. Paul College QC with a BA in mass communication, she has climbed the ranks from her early days in Viva Vintage Sports and NBN4 to leadership roles in Solar Entertainment Corporation to now Assistant Vice President for Technical Services at CN Philippines. As a trusted advisor, Jane collaborates seamlessly with editorial and commercial teams ensuring CNN Philippines remains at the forefront of media innovation. I've asked her to join us here today to discuss media technology and the future of communication. So Jane, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Uh, hi, Daryl. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's a pretty nice day today. Busy, but productive as always. Better busy than bored, right? Idle hands. Of course. <laughs> of course. I like being busy. <laughs> too. So before we hop into some of the things that are going on now in the future, at least as far as how you see it, how did you even get started in communications? Now, obviously, you went to university, like I mentioned, but what was the inspiration? Is this like a family business? Were your parents in the same field or? No, actually, I'm the first one who got in the industry. So I'm lucky enough to like land in the job where wherein I can practice what I studied for in college. Mm, right. so, like all other production people person here like I started as a production assistant like from the bottom to let's say going up so yeah I was just lucky to enter a small production house to begin with that's my first job and then I I veered away from that and started doing marketing stuff and then luckily one of our clients in that production house slash marketing company works for a bigger network so we applied to mm. that company and then that's it. That's where it all started. I started with Viva Vintage. So that's sports. I started literally with sports. Like I was a game producer. I was an executive producer producing for PBA games, boxing, mm. FIBA, volleyball, name it. We did it. And then after Viva Vintage, that's where I entered Solar Entertainment. So in Solar, I started as executive producer. I work with cable channels, so I build branding. I was also a creative director for all the local cable channels. Then eventually, the company explored doing international partnerships. So I was um, lucky enough to handle Hallmark Channel, Universal Channel, Sci-Fi, what else? There's a lot. So yeah, we partnered with NBC Universal. So I was very lucky that I get to also work locally and with our international partners. So can right. you imagine the perks getting their knowledge and applying yeah. it locally? So that's really something for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually part of why I'm I'm betting since I'm living in the Philippines, I think we talked about this in our meet and greet. I think in 10, 20 years, the Philippines is, I think the Philippines is an up and comer. I know there's Indonesia, Nigeria, and India, yeah. China, but I think the Philippines, because this is a major outsourcing center of the world. This means all the other countries yeah. on the planet are training everyone here to their standards. True. Meanwhile, we have a growing birth rate here. Meanwhile, we've got a great climate here. 
Meanwhile, so where there's no people, there's no economy. If there's no young people, as people get older, not to go on a sidebar, but older people mm -hmm. typically don't spend more money. It's when you need to put the new addition on the home because you're expecting a baby and the child's growing up and now you need another mm -hmm. kid's room and you know the family's growing, like all this stuff. As people get older, they tend to downsize. So I really think that with the declining populations of all these other countries, that the Philippines is a great spot to be. And you just alluded to that, talking about how being involved in all these international partnerships, you got trained yeah. to their standards. And now what an opportunity that was for you. Yes, yes. Plus also the skill sets of the Filipinos are really like superb. They're very resilient. They're very creative. Yeah. So we get to adopt. And you know what? Surprisingly, our international partners are amazed on how we do things. And it's a vice, it's working for them too. Like they get ideas from us locally and then they, they apply it to their company internationally. Yep. At the yeah. same time, we get their ideas also and apply it locally. Yeah. So what were some of the challenges that you faced in your career though? I'm guessing it wasn't just straightforward success, linear oh, and yeah. mistakes and everything you need to know. Oh yeah. Of course, after my stint doing the creative stuff, I had I was promoted to do like the technical operation stuff. So basically if you work for like technical you deal with mostly men. So I had like now most of my managers are all male. So it's a male dominated. Yeah, but of course the challenge there is first how to penetrate like when you get promoted how you lead these people that are like already set in place there before I I can come in. You came right. in. Yeah. So I have to like, what do you call that? Build relationships with them. Yep. And at the same time, they need to like, oh, she is a female. But of course, I need to let them know that, hey, gender hey, is not really right. an issue. I can wear my ovaries on the outside if I need to. Exactly. Okay? Right. So fortunately, I was able to get the respect and they like my leadership skills. So the challenges that me and my team, whether from the old company and the current company, is the ever-changing technology. That is the challenge here because everyone adapts, everyone changes, everyone innovates. So that's the challenge. We have to keep up and we have to up our game always. Else we will be left out. But mm -hmm. of course, with the technology, it comes with the budget. That is also very important. That's also a challenge because you have to explain to the company why we need to like upgrade this technology, buy this and buy that. So I, I think that is the challenge. And like right now in CN Philippines, we are a very lenient team. We are a very small team, but you wouldn't notice that on air. As long as the team, they're very resilient, they're very resourceful, and the skill sets are really so very good. So I think we overcome those challenges. But yeah, it's the ever-changing technology. That's the challenge for us. Yeah. And you mentioned a couple of things that I want to highlight for listeners. So you talked about mm -hmm. it's a small team, way smaller than yeah. people would realize. And I yes. think that that comes from the leverage of using technology. A lot of people don't realize that Gmail is managed by something like 40 engineers, 40 people. Uh -huh. There's a yeah. billion people using Gmail every day. That's so it's true. technology, you can have extreme leverage. So I just wanted to point that out. Now, uh -huh. what are what about competing interests? First off, obviously, you guys have, like you mentioned, there's the tech and keeping up with the tech, but you also mm -hmm. have to find, and maybe this is not so much your concern since you're in tech, but you have to be on top of what's getting the eyeballs in terms of news. But then there's also competing interests where 
we've just gone through a bunch of years where there's been all sorts of censorship and and all this talk about information and disinformation. Yeah. And my personal opinion is that's a real battle troll the narrative i think i think there's different opinions and just because someone has a different opinion doesn't make it misinformation or disinformation but you can yeah i just you have to you guys have to navigate that how does that play in as far as what you're aware of yeah here in cn philippines like since we're an affiliate of cn international right we have, we we are very strict on our standards and practices right so even before all our journalists all the staff actually that works for CN needs to like read and invite that standards and practices thing, guidelines, whenever we apply it for work, whenever we write our news, we cannot have our own opinion. We just state right, that. that's right. the rule. We cannot be opinionated. Yep. It's just straight facts. So that is the rule that we need to comply when we agreed to have this partnership with CNN. They're very strict. So I think the navigating the fake news and misinformation, I think, yeah, if we just follow that stuff. So we have uh, different levels of what do you call that. Before we publish the news, we have different levels. Editorial levels. Yeah. So we our news has to, even our digital has to go through those levels before we it, we publish it or we put it on air. So that's how we like manage. But of course, on our side, this technical side, we just shadow the the production people and the journalists. But yeah, we also see, we also have some editorial working for news for how many. So we also have this editorial sense that we keep reminding each other, oh, we cannot do this. We cannot do that. Oh, like right. that. That's basically how we do things. Yeah. Okay. Because I know that there was just an announcement. This I think this is new just this week, maybe even this week. Google announced like their news initiative to help fight information, different disinformation. So Google is getting into the game where they're just going to delete or not rank things in mm-hmm. search results that come up for certain stuff. But that might be beyond the scope of what you guys do at CNN. Perhaps. Yeah, so, yeah. But it sounds like CNN operates much like a franchise does. If you have a salad stop, if you have a Jollibee location, yeah. like you have to follow the manual on how to run the store, yeah. right? And that's, so what are some of the things, the technical requirements people may not consider? Because a lot of people now, we talked about this in our meet and greet too. If you've got a smartphone and an internet connection, you can stream essentially. That's true. So that's what are some of the technical considerations that people may not consider that maybe are important to having a good production? With all the gadgets that you have, whether it's an expensive technology or the pro-consumer type, you just need an eye for details. I think that's what really matters. Whether you use Panasonic cameras for like broadcast quality or if you use your smartphone, if you don't have the eye, then it's going to be useless. So I think the attention for details is the most important. And then whatever technology you have, it just follows. Because in CN Philippines now, after the pandemic, we learned that we can also use our smartphones now. Like the viewers are more forgiving because before the videos and audio video that we can only show on TV are only those like using broadcast equipment. But now mm. like you a phone or lower cla- lower budget cameras is acceptable. Mm. So we are mm. more like, 
we've adjusted thanks to the pandemic. So I think that's, uh, yeah, and more people can have access. More people can give, contribute like videos. Like for example, in CNN Philippines, like for example, there's a typhoon. We cannot cover all the areas that where there's typhoon. Right. So what we do is we have a call in to to the people or to the social media, and mm. then we ask, can you send us videos? Can you send us your clips? And then we use that for our broadcast. Can you imagine how we can utilize their videos without us, like our reporters, going to the location? That's huge leverage. That's huge leverage. Yeah, and the people, like those who have social media, they like their videos to be seen. Yeah. Read on air. So that's something for them too. So it's like a give and take relationship. But of course, before we air the videos or whatever, we need to vet it. How do you, Always a how do you vet it? Yeah, we have the editorial people who vet it. So we cannot just air anything. That's also part of our standards and practices. So even if you give us a video, we need to verify if it's true. We need to get other sources, stuff like that before we, we put it on air. I love that. Yeah. So someone's not sending you a video from 2015. Hey, exactly. I, I got a typhoon <laughs> video from 2015. Pay me some money. And exactly. Right. So there's also a vetting process. Not all of it. We also filter the videos also. So we can just accept and accept and just put, just put it on air. So yeah. But That's the great. power That's of great. social media, we were able to utilize that also on our air. So you're asking on social media for user content to share on your channel. Yeah, yeah. Especially Love like that. video clips. Video clips, yeah. We we, we ask, yeah, yeah. We, we generate videos or informations or whatever from our social media. But sometimes for the news gathering part, you also get like different news that you don't heard of from social media. Yep. Yeah. Every day. Like we monitor what's trending or what are people talking about on social media and that's the news so now before we used to read the newspapers read the now social media is really big on the news they're the first they're usually the first because yes. they, can, they, they just put it like put it right away as it's happening yeah exactly what, what kind of what kind of tools would you recommend for someone that's starting out or struggling use to try to monitor these trends are you just talking about like the built-in trends or is there social listening tools that you find work better than others yeah i think that's not part of my department but yeah we have a listening tool for that we usually have analytics for our programs and what's trending we have actually every morning when we have our story conference that's every day nine o'clock we discuss the news we discuss our lineup editorial production wise news gathering wise so they also discuss there what's trending for the day what's up on socials. So yeah. I love that's, that. That's, yeah, yeah, that's what we do. And then at the end of the day, we have the analytics of the shows. per shows every day. So we know what rates, what doesn't rate, what segments, what time of the program it dipped, or what time of the program the viewers went up. So we have those things every day. Yeah. And... So I'm just, I'm taking down notes because I think this is great. I'm going to say back to you some of the things uh -huh. that I picked up and I want you mm -hmm. to add anything that you think would be useful or helpful to someone that's just maybe starting out or they're struggling. They've got a YouTube channel or something and they're struggling. Yeah. So you mentioned an eye for detail and you talked about having a two-way conversation where you would use social media to ask for content to feature in your programs mm -hmm. and in your, which I think is brilliant. 
Uh, he also yeah. talked about monitoring trends on social. That's actually really big. They used to follow the news and newspapers, but now it's really about what's trending on social. And I'm going to assume that it's tracking more than one platform because what's hot yeah. trending in one may not be talked about yet on the other. And that could be an advantage. And then you also mentioned having a daily meeting, 9 a.m. with your team talking about what's trending now and what's our lineup. And I think that's an opportunity for you guys to adjust or pivot anything before the day starts. And at the end of the day, you do an analytic breakdown of the shows and how the day went. Is that fairly accurate? Yeah. Yes. Is there yes, anything yes. you would add in there for someone who's starting out and struggling? I think we don't get the numbers immediately. You need to build up and start like with a good story for the people to pick your story up. And then, of course, all of us wants our viewers to, to be glued we need to have them glued with our network, with our story. So it's always for us news. We need to, especially for developing story, we need to update it. If it's a developing story for them, we need to have breaking all the time. So we have them like hooked in the channel or in the social media. So that's part of, mm. I think, the strategy of all news organization. You need to be like especially for developing story, you need to update it every now and then. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love that. So yeah. now I guess, can we maybe talk about what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see other news stations or even in your own company? Just what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making when it comes to trying to communicate and build audiences? And That's a hard question. Okay, I can only speak for our organization because I don't want to... Yeah, but maybe the hardest thing now is fake news is all around. So we need to like communicate better. We need to like check all the facts before... Because sometimes we want to air the news first. But of course, we cannot do that. We need to like do the process of vetting, checking. Like sometimes not being the first is good as long as your news or your information is accurate and right. correct. So I think that's the, sometimes j just because you want to be the first to air it or you want to be the first to publish it, the checking process and the vetting process, you, you get to miss out because you want, you rush it. So us in CN Philippines always, even like, for example, there's a death of this person, even if social media is already flooded announcing the death of this person or whatever, we need to get the information directly from the family, from someone really credible before right. we air it or before we publish it or be before we post it on our social media. I, I love that. I think that's so important. I want to talk about this for a little bit just because mm -hmm. this has been something Donald Trump, I think, is the one that coined the term fake news. Sorry, you're yeah. fake news. But yeah. I think this is a really important thing because we know that at least CNN in the United States, their viewership has been down. They tried to launch some CNN premium thing and it didn't mm -hmm. go very well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this whole fake news and censorship thing, it's been such a concern and on the forefront. I, mean, I don't want to make this political in any way, shape or form, but it's fake yeah. news is all around. And so I really value the whole point of checking facts. A lot of things that people have been saying were conspiracy theories have started to turn out to be true in some respects. And even just candid, I almost want to share my screen. I know most people watching this are actually, most people watching this are going to only have audio only. I wonder if I can pull it up though. For example, and I just want to know how this fits in. And maybe you already answered it in the sense of 
you talked about, we guys are almost like a franchise, right? So to a certain extent, you've got to follow certain rules. Jollibee can't yeah. say, Hey, we want to start selling pineapple. But if you look at my screen here, I'm, I like, I talked to you before I've, I paid 50 mm -hmm. grand to go through all these scientific papers on business success mm -hmm. studies and research. And this is where personally you talk about fake news, Facebook put me in jail. Now you're not a representative of Facebook, but I want to get your input on this. Where in March 17th, 2020, a study had been published in a peer reviewed journal titled treatment for COVID-19. And I made this post, you can't see the see more, but I had linked to five other studies saying that this had been shown in Asia and China, and I think in Vietnam and somewhere else that this showed that it was an effective treatment. And Facebook banned me and they even locked me out of my account for weeks saying that oh, really? I, this, I was spreading misinformation and fake news, right? But then here you can see February 21st, 2022, they said, sorry, we got this wrong. Your post is back on Facebook. And the implications, I'll read the post for the listeners. It, it, the post is, and remember this post linked to five, six, seven published studies, not studies, an effective treatment for coronavirus. My post said, this is only $20 a bottle. So it probably won't be widely publicized in the USA considering the premium price paid for ICU long-term hospital stays. And then I go on to talk about, you know, that if you are high risk or concerned that for $20, you would have a month's supply for a prophylactic. Now I'm not trying to mm -hmm. amplify or this is no pressure, but I think this is a really important thing. And you talked to two things you talked about before that you guys have to follow certain instructions like yeah. any franchise does. And you also mentioned that it's on the editorial team to fact check. Yeah. I'm bringing this up because a lot of people are nervous and they're not really sure who to trust. And there's, there's still censorship on social media and that. And if this post had been heard, we wouldn't have need, people wouldn't have had to lose their jobs. Everybody on the planet was affected. I want to know mm -hmm. your input on that. Are, what do you see from the inside? Because I'm not on the inside. Is, are things changed? Are people talking yeah. about this sort of stuff internally? Maybe since it happened 2020, maybe the studies were not really, they have a study, they have proof, but it's not really used that much. So I think the people from Facebook who vetted it, maybe they're not really very comfortable with the source that you have. I'm not really sure, but maybe it's something like that because it's not yet very popular. The, suggest the suggested medication for coronavirus, I think it's that. Yeah, okay. Okay, okay. We can move on because my intent, I didn't even <laughs> think about, but it was when you said that sentence about fake news is all over. And I, yeah. I made me, it, in some ways it triggered me because for me, Facebook used to be the only way I had to communicate with my family and that abroad I'm overseas. And then when yeah. I made that post and then I got banned and I think a lot of people can sympathize with that. I had a friend recently here in the Philippines, they were doing a Facebook live and I don't know how it works with Facebook. They were getting stars or something. And her uh -huh. husband made a joke about do something or we'll kill you. And it was like a joke. Like he was just trying to be funny but it, they uh -huh. flagged their live and they weren't able to collect any of those stars or something they'd done the whole thing for. So I just think it's interesting because you talk about like keeping up with the yeah. tech and how that's a challenge. And now yeah. with AI and tech and all this going so fast, what are you seeing on your end? Are you guys starting to use more AI in some of this um, to help with research or? No, no, we're not yet using AI, but our, our partners and our suppliers are like, like, 
planting and suggesting that we use it. But of course, there's still that room for error for you know, when you use AI. So we use still we still use the traditional kind. And and I think we, we can still manage. We're not yet swamped with so many things that we needed AI for now. Yeah. And okay. we're, we're like difficult because of the errors, it's artificial intelligence. We're not against it, but for now, we're not yet exploring that. It's not a technology that, how does, what's the breakdown? Because when you're associated with CN, it sounds like you, you there's a feed of news that you guys have. Again, just like a Jollibee. Yeah, yeah. Hey, update to the menu, but then you have to have local news too. So you can't just yeah. rely on that feed alone. Is there a yeah. mix? Is it like an 80-20 or how do you guys tightrope that? How do you... For example, our stories for today, just for today, the biggest stories are the local stories. So if there's any significant, like for example, the Maui, fi- Maui fire. Right. So we use that as part of our shows, but we are big on the local news because people are here in the Philippines. But of course, a lot of foreigners watch our news. Right. So we also give them like, let's say 80-20. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the ratio, but we are really, majority of our news is local. Local. Yeah, okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah, okay. because other news that which is big in the U.S. or whatever part of the world may not be very significant to the people here in the Philippines, so they wouldn't care. So we right. all choose the stories that we would pick up from CN. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point that you made. A friend of mine, he's here trying to give away free internet in the Philippines to the impoverished, uh-huh. paid tiers. But one of the other things that they did is they set up like CC. They're streaming inside Barangays, uh-huh. and he was so surprised to see that one of their biggest views were the basketball games in the Barangays. Of course, of course. Was, of course. He was so shocked at the views that they're You'll getting. never go wrong with, this is a basketball country. Every street, every barangay, every corner that you can put a ring on, they will play basketball. <laughs> and they're playing in right? their sandals or barefoot. Yep. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. So, how does that play in? Is that, because sports can you talk about that because there's news but then you also for example i know they they used to say what was it it was like if you do a newsletter this is like pre-internet but if you do a newsletter it's 33 percent has to be entertainment three percent has to be educational yes and then 33 percent i forget the breakdown but it was like entertainment educational and then there was maybe was that it is lifestyle I, I was going to say, how would that break down? Because the so- the ba- soccer, the ba- basketball would be an entertainment thing. If I'm, well, based on our programming, we have a sports show because we Filipinos are big sports fans. So, well, yeah, we have a sports show. Like it's 30 minutes. It's shown on the evening. So we do local sports, international sports. So, yeah, there's a, re- a need for Filipinos to like know the sports industry so yes we also have that kind of programming we also do our morning show which is new day like in the U.S. we have it's a mix of news it has entertainment so we interview like local and international artists they go here in the studio and we interview them we have interview movie actors from all over the world we also have every Wednesday, we have a medical segment, like a health talk, med talk. And yeah, it's a mix of everything. Because, yeah. 
CN is just not news. So right. we also have another department, which is branded content department. So they produce other programs, local programs for CN Philippines. So we have story of the Filipinos, building bridges. So they showcase exemplary Filipinos that popular and unsung Filipinos. And then building bridges, we show local provinces and stuff like that. So yeah, CNN is just not news. Like CNN right. local. But we also show programs from CN International. So it's a mix of utilizing their content, our content, and then we make other programs which we can also sell. And because it's not all news. Right. Yeah. That's so that's let's do there's two things I wanted to talk about. One was the multi-channel in terms mm-hmm. of like social TV, you know, but you also talked about paid programs. Can we speak about that for people that are listening? How do they get paid for their content? How do they price that? I know that there's, if you're paying, if you're getting advertisers, first off, what do you know? Does that require an active sales team to have advertisers and to keep them? So you need an active sales team. And then what is the the pricing typically? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. The pricing, I don't know because that's not my department. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, that's not my department, but sometimes let's say, for example, we do a special like a special coverage, we can also say that if we sell that to a client, okay, we will air this and produce this for you. We, you will also be shown on our digital platforms. So that can be part of the package. So it's not mm-hmm. only broadcast that we're talking about. They will also be shown on our website, on our social media. So that's it's not just TV now. Yeah, I was going to say, so what are those? Let's talk about the multi-channel. So what is it then? Because it's not just TV. It is some TV. Yeah, but I correct me if I'm wrong. I think the TV is mostly the boomer generation yeah, and the young yeah, people. Yeah. They're not. So what are some of the biggest channels then? Yeah. So, for example, our partners, they can also be seen in our show, social media on our website. Plus, in some instance, we can like in our website, we can put banners for these clients what else? They can be in our marketing collaterals. They can be in like our social media. Yeah. And of course, we can have them as guests. That's also a leverage. Like we invite them as guests. So um, that is also something for our clients. Promote their products. They get to be interviewed. And then we show it on air and on our digital platforms. And is there any, maybe because you're with CN and there's such a mainstream channel, it's not a concern, Mm -hmm. but there's new platforms that have been coming out in an attempt to, to, People, some people, like we talked about before, are concerned about the censorship. So there's new platforms like Rumble is a new platform that's come out that's supposed to be an anti-censorship alternative to YouTube. My, mm. my question about this is on a tech side, are you, I guess what I'm asking is, are you using tools to consolidate your media and then broadcast onto multiple channels and platforms simultaneously? Is there a, a stability, diversity of stability mentality in the sense of what happens if you guys lose something, you guys post something on Facebook and they don't like it and your account gets frozen or something. Cause there's always, every, yeah, everybody's yeah, getting right. checked now, right? Everybody's yeah. got, yeah. And you That's guys post true. so much. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that, that happens also as long as for us, as long as it's on our air, which is our main business, as long as it's on air, sometimes. On air means copy- TV? Yeah, yeah. On okay. air means TV. So sometimes YouTube has the copyright thing yeah, yeah. i know i'm sure you know that so yep. sometimes they, they like flag us 
and then revise it and then we repost it. So mm-hmm. I think if you get three hits, they bring down your post. Right. On yeah, they, they bring down your channel. I know. Yeah, see, see. Which is tough <laughs> so, if you're publishing like 15, 20 times a day or more for oh, you guys. Oh, that's us. Yeah. That's us. Yeah. So we have a separate team handling that. Mm-hmm. So there's really people that needs to be dedicated. Else, if there's nobody, you'll just be gone on YouTube without right. you knowing yeah, so we have specific teams that handles our YouTube. There are people who handles Facebook. There's people handling our socials like Insta- Twitter, Instagram, and others. So it sounds like you guys basically have an agreed upon lineup. And then it's up to everybody to take that source content and chop yeah. it up for the ideal for their platform. Yes. Go yes. there and manage it. Yes, yes, you yes, guys yes. collect data and I, I just, like what I mean is I'm on this show. I'll just be fully transparent. I'm a big advocate for people in business is to collect email addresses mm-hmm. because you can't mm-hmm. export your Facebook friends. You can't export your LinkedIn connections. You can't export your Instagram right. followers. But if you have an email list, you can often import it and invite people to follow you on Facebook or you can email them and ask them to follow you here or there. You can't export mm-hmm. your YouTube subscribers. So I want to ask, mm-hmm. do you guys keep a database of that? Is there certain assets in terms of for your audience or is it really just building? Like I, I have an old client. We grew his Facebook following from 30,000 to 300,000 followers on Facebook. This is way, this is like 2013. Mm-hmm. And then January 1st, 2014, Facebook introduced the boost post feature on Facebook where yeah, you yeah. pay to boost your posts. And we went from getting 3 million organic impressions a week to maybe mm-hmm. getting a million. And then we would yeah. have to pay to boost our posts to reach these other yeah. people. And yeah. that was overnight. That was like January 1st. And there was no no email, no notice. So I, having mm-hmm. been online for so long, like MySpace was a big thing. And what is it now? So these internet things, they come and go. Now TikTok, which would you, if you built your following on Facebook, you can't. But so it's, do you, is that something that you guys do at all? Do you keep a database of any assets like that? Is it? Am I just speaking or is this something? I'm not really sure if they have that, that what they call database for their followers or for whoever. Yeah, it's not, I'm not really very knowledgeable on that part. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But yeah, the boosting thing, I think we strategically use that boosting. Yeah, it really helps. The traction and stuff. That's, we'll drop that little nugget for the listeners, the people that don't know. You post your stuff organically and when something seems to be taking off organically, it's a good indication that if you were to spend money, you could spend some money to amplify that. And often, you know, if you know who your competitors are, so what's one of CN, like maybe GMA is a competitor of yours. So if you guys have a story or a post or something that's doing really well with your organic audience, you could actually spend a little money on social media to boost it to the GMA followers to try to steal some of those people over. There's mm-hmm. strategies like that that we do in online. I've been online marketing since since I was 17. <laughs> so there's other little ninja strategies like that are available. This has been really good. So where do you think this is going? Because people want to be kept informed. That's the whole point of news. They want to know what's going on. They want to be aware. There's a mm-hmm. whole lot of, I don't even know what to say it. There's like a battle right now, I feel like, between independent publishers, maybe like myself and a big company. But we both in some ways need each other, like you said. Like you guys yes. need you need the citizen journalists to send in content. Yes. So there's yes. this weird 
I don't know how to describe it. There's this weird mix. <laughs> mix of the two-way street, but at the same time, we've got, you know, some people feel a little betrayed by mainstream media over the last few years. But at the same time, not all citizen journalists do enough due diligence on the news that they share. That's true. That's so true. it's this That's weird yin-yang yeah. of, yeah. Yeah, both parties, I think, just needs to be responsible for the news that they, or for the information that they give. Mm. Whether we get it from the, from the people or from their socials. And us also, mainstream media, we all, we all have a responsibility to just bring and to just tell the facts, just news and nothing else. And just how do you determine a fact versus not? Like you already talked a bit about before, but just to really hit uh -huh. the nail on the head, how does someone verify a fact? Somebody course, told me this, how do I verify it? Yeah, of course, you need to get it from the source. Himself. Primary sources, right. Of course, there's always two sides of every story. Right. So you also get need to get the other side of that story. It, it cannot be just one way. Even if he's the source, yeah. would you know if, you know, you need also the other side of the story. So that's how we do it. It's not a one way, it's a two way. Then we mm. vet it. And then that's when we, we are also very, also the wordings, there are words that you cannot, you need to be very like due diligence when writing yes. the news. You right. kind of just write it like trigger happy, write it. Trigger happy, all emotional. Try I to know. incite a riot. <laughs> so be yeah, yeah. It's really you need to be very responsible because that's news. Right. People, majority, will believe it. So we need to be just responsible for the news that you know. I love that. I love that. So quick little rundown. So that means that if you hear something, even if it's on my show here, make sure you're hearing it from a primary source. I do my best to get qualified experts on here to talk, but you got to do your own due diligence. Yes. Figure out the primary source of the information and mm -hmm. look at competing ideas. Yes. Boil them down to the facts. Try to eliminate mm -hmm. speculation. And even if there's speculation, you can just make sure to mention it's speculation. And then what? You present both sides of the stories. Hey, here's mm -hmm. what I've got. Here's what this person says. Here's what the other person says. What do you think? Is that maybe a four step that some yeah, follow yeah. to hopefully navigate and eliminate a lot of misinformation. <laughs> That's true. That's so true. It's bad. It's like our motto. It's accurate, fair, and balanced. That's how mm. that's the three words that we live by in CNN mm. Philippines. I think this is an important part because I'm a big believer in science. I think there's room for faith and science in the sense that mm. all science is established on the Big Bang. Terrence McKenna said this before. <laughs> he said... Science said, look, just give me the miracle of the Big Bang and I can explain everything in the universe to you. And I think there's room for both. Like I believe in evolution and all that stuff. But science has a formula, the scientific method. And Karl Popper explained it really eloquently in his lectures. Karl Popper was one of the most famous and maybe most accomplished science educators. And he had a formula that was P1 plus TS plus mm -hmm. EE equals P2. And that means problem one plus TS temporary solution mm -hmm. plus eliminate the errors equals problem two. So you have problem mm -hmm. one, you come up with a temporary solution, and then you eliminate the errors. And how do you eliminate the errors? You eliminate the errors by experimentation, observation, mm -hmm. research, debate, discussion, 
checking your data sources, comparing data sources, getting a bigger data source to work with, data collection, and you either have solved the problem and are now at problem two, or you still have problem one, but you have learned the flaws of your temporary solution and you need to make a new temporary solution, mm -hmm. come at it again. And that's, it's a cyclical process. There's no guarantee. He said, there's no, he said, there is no scientific method. There's no way yeah. to guarantee a breakthrough. All we have are tools that we use and processes that help prevent us from fooling ourselves. And it almost that's sounds true. like that's what you're talking about. Like that, the very fact find checking is about going to primary sources and, and not just accepting a pre-digested opinion on that. Yeah. So I think that's really powerful. So where do you think yeah. this is going in terms of the future? Is everybody just going to log on to social media for their news? Are people still going to, are they going to subscribe to a feed, the specific data apps? Are we going to be neuralinked into some nonstop data feed? What do you think things are going to be in 10 years for your industry? I think, yeah, social media will be big, but I hope the audience will still not forget mainstream media because I don't know, anybody can post their news on socials. But of course, when it airs on broadcast, it's not just, it's not a very quick process. There's an editorial guide guidelines that they follow before everything goes on air. So I think social media will be big, but they shouldn't forget the mainstream media. I'm not all, I'm also, there's also radio, there's newspapers. So as much as possible, they get the news from all sources, mm. from platforms. Social will dominate, but let's mm. not forget about the mainstream where it all mm. started. Social media will dominate. I think that's a good, it's a good, it's a good nugget for people. They're to be dominating aware. now. Like everything's on digital, right? Well, yeah, they are. That's for sure. They are for sure. But again, the problem is there's so much concern about. There's just it's an interesting process. I think it'll take years for us to figure it out. I don't know if we'll ever figure it out, but it's the whole, people <laughs> are a little bit bolder online than they would be in person. I know. They, they say things I I'll know. never say to someone's face. And maybe it's their true, honest opinions. Okay. Maybe they're just trolls and have mental issues and they're just, it's an outlet for them. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But there's just That's like, true. we're in this interesting time of our species where we're connected. We have a neural synapsis. We've never mm -hmm. on the planet like you and I are already cyborgs. We're talking and we're not like we're using devices. They're just not attached to our body. Yeah. So that's talk true. from different sides of the continent. And now the whole world's connected where news, like you mentioned Hawaii or something happens in Uzbekistan, mm -hmm. find out about it seconds later on the other side of the planet. True. So weird process of trying to go through and vet it. And a lot of these people, they've, their lives have been impacted by the the i want to choose my words carefully by the last few years so i yeah i think it's best as we yeah. said before that we need each other the citizens journalists and the big media outlets and we work together to try to keep each other honest and excellent yeah that's yeah, the best way to put it you know? yeah internet and connectivity will also play the big part on this one like, of course, like you said, we cannot use our mobile devices without the internet, without the, the connection. So, yeah, that technology mm. really helped. Before in broadcast, we only used the satellite technology. But yep. now, the internet, that, that kind of infrastructure, it's really like we can reach even the most farthest island in the Philippines with just yes. our mobile devices. 
So it sounds like social media, video, and mobile friendly, those things are huge. Yeah. And finding a way to collaborate between and finding that, and maybe it's not a static thing, it's dynamic, but between citizen journalism and big media outlets and trying to keep governments in check as well, because it's a lot of power when you've mm-hmm. got millions of followers and what you say they just believe, as you mentioned, there's a lot of power. And so I think there's yeah. a... It's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Jane, you've come and given such a great talk. I've got a page of notes here. Is there anything I haven't asked you? I should have asked you? No, I don't know. We already discussed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think think we've covered basically the technology part. Yeah, I think so too. Remember, we didn't talk about data integrity and security, but that's okay. Maybe we'll have you back for a follow-up. Yeah. Because we encountered that one. Just to make it quick, we have for the election we have a presidential debate. So did you know that the night before the debate, we got, what do you call that? A DDoS attack? Yeah, yes. Like even the cyber experts, NBI, NBI, and we're alarmed on how attacks CNN Philippines, our website got during that night. We were down. We were down. Like, like, it's very intentional that they don't want us to stream the presidential debate. Because they that want to control even, the what people aware. Yeah. So even, can you imagine even the National Bureau of Investigation contacted our head because they were alarmed with the numbers. For example, we're on an average, we're just 1,000, let's say 10,000. But we are like in mil- millions, yeah. like millions. Yep. It's really crazy that time. So yeah, that's another topic. But yeah, we already we encountered that. Yeah, I think that's so. Again, I, I maybe we'll go a few minutes over, but there's two things that I think are really important, at least for me. And, and I feel like I'll mention three things. So one is there's this great documentary called The Rise of the Warrior Ape, and it's these guys. It's free on YouTube right now. They made a documentary. They're anthropologists, and chimpanzees are the most clo- closest animals on the planets to humans genetically and even their social hierarchies are very similar and normally a chimpanzee in a group is called a troop and normally the troops are like 25 30 chimps and they found in mm-hmm. the congo a group of 60 it was the biggest one that they'd ever found before so they went to go study it go why because normally what happens is they get so big and then they break off and to two groups and they're trying to study this one troop and why it got so big and during the documentary while they're recounting the story the troop grew to 250 chimps as oh. one troop, and this is phenomenal. This is 10 times the size of any other chimpanzee troop ever found oh. in history. The part that I think is fascinating is that if you talk to an individual person, they're very intelligent and articulate and reasonable. There's the like mob mentality they talk about where the, that intelligence is not present. And so the reason why mm-hmm. I think it's relevant is because I think part of the way countries behave models how these chimps kept their people, their own chimps in line, and how they behave with their neighbors, which you have to watch a documentary to find mm-hmm. out. I think that countries behave like this in a man, in a certain respect. And so that was where, okay, the psychology, that's the psychology of them. And now we've established extinction bombs. We have nuclear bombs. So before there were wars and whoever had the better technology for war, they would just come and slaughter their neighbor and take over those resources and that want a conquest thing. But now we can't do that because we have extinction bombs. So we'll just kill the whole planet. Like I, I, I'm not talking about me, like the Cohen countries. I just want to kill your people. I don't want to kill myself at the same time. And now we have extinction bombs. We can't do that. So war, I don't think that instinct for war has 
disappeared. I think it's just evolved to where now there's a term called fifth generation warfare, which means the warfare of social engineering, of manipulating information, biological warfare. This is all part of it. It's all it's psychological warfare. And so when you talk about you guys are having a presidential debate and all of a sudden you're being yeah. prevented from sharing with the main, and it's, it's not even just misinformation, it's the absence of information so people can make educated decisions. So some military level person out there, they've got military level internet weapons. They tried to stop you guys from sharing information that may change the outcome because they only want certain information to be available because then people can only make fewer decisions. So again, I think what you do and I think what I do are incredibly important. We're going over on time now, but those I wanted to mention, you talked about that. I think that was an important thing. And I think that maybe is something we didn't talk about that is part of the future. How do we protect and maybe have backups? Maybe we need to have all of our listeners on a mailing list. So when something's really important, we can send them like a printouted, here's the notes of what you missed type of thing, because this is something that I think will only happen more in the future. As long as we can kill everybody, I don't think that war is as big of a threat. I know there's like the war in Russia and Ukraine, but I think that's, Ukraine doesn't have military, but like that's, but then like you talk about for you, just a presidential election, which would sway where government money goes, laws that get passed all that stuff. So it's like a new era of warfare to a certain extent. And that's where citizen journalism, mainstream media have to work Mm -hmm. together under influence of governments and these, these military actors that are there, whether people want to admit it or not, it's a fact of life though. That's true. Yeah. Jane, great topic. Yes. Let's get you back, follow up on this. If people want to ask questions, if they want to reach out, where should they, what, where should they get in touch with you? LinkedIn? Is that maybe the best place? Yeah, yeah, LinkedIn, yeah. Okay. So if you, anyone wants to follow up, go contact Jane Santos, J-A-N-E-S-A-N-T-O-S on LinkedIn. Just look look her up. You'll know you got her when it's ADP for Technical Services at CN Philippines. Thank you so much, Jane. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And I've really enjoyed the conversation. I enjoyed talking with you. I got inputs from you, which will I will apply and share with the team. Fantastic. I love it. Thank you so much for coming. Knowing that you've got millions of people, audience members yourself, thank you for coming and sharing with me and mine so we can all do our stuff a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Daryl.